Nancy Lee DeMoss made these insightful observations about the difference between pride and brokenness. She says proud people focus on the failures of others. Broken people are overwhelmed with the sense of their own spiritual need. Proud people have to prove they are right. Broken people are willing to yield the right to be right. Proud people have a critical fault-finding spirit. Broken people can forgive much because they know how much they've been forgiven. Proud people don't think they need revival, but they are sure everyone else does. Broken people continually sense their need for a fresh encounter with God. Convicting, isn't it? Are you full of pride or brokenness? I'm Ron Jones. Something good starts right now. He was the greatest person who ever lived. He was also the most humble. Hello, I'm Brian Davis, and this is Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones. Jesus, without blemish, without sin, the only begotten Son of God, humbled himself to the point of death on a cross. Today, Ron shares more about the example of humility Christ gave to us. But first, but first, he points to someone else, a man to whom Jesus gave high praise during his life on earth. Stay with us here as Ron moves ahead in his teaching series, Undefeated, Overcoming the Deadly Sins That Drag You Down. Or visit somethinggoodradio.org to listen to the broadcast on demand on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. From Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia, where he serves as lead pastor, here's Ron in part two of his Something Good radio message, Defeating Pride. Number two, embrace brokenness. Psalm chapter 51 and verse 17, the sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you will not despise. King Nebuchadnezzar had to be broken. His pride had welled up so big in him that he paraded like a peacock on his, the balcony of his, uh, his castle there and said, look what I've done. And God had to humble him. He broke the man until he came to his senses. And he acknowledged the one true God. Uh, There's something about a broken spirit and a contrite heart that, that draws the Lord toward us. He says, come in a little bit closer. All right, now, now, now you're where I need you to be. Nancy Lee DeMoss um, is, a, is a marvelous Bible teacher. She's had a ministry to women worldwide for some time. And I came across uh, something she wrote um, a while ago where she makes some insightful observations about the difference between pride and brokenness. She says, proud people focus on the failures of others. Broken people are overwhelmed with a sense of their own spiritual need. Proud people have to prove they are right. Broken people are willing to yield the right to be right. Proud people have a critical, fault-finding spirit. Broken people can forgive much because they know how much they have been forgiven. 
How about one more? Proud people don't think they need revival, but they're sure everyone else does. Broken people continually sense their need for a fresh encounter with God and the filling of the Holy Spirit. Are you a proud person? Or is there a broken and contrite spirit in you? You know, when Jesus was um, delivering his Sermon on the Mount, one of his most famous bodies of teachings recorded in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, he began with uh, the beautiful attitudes, or we call them the Beatitudes. And one of them says in Matthew 5 and verse 3, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now think about that. He didn't say blessed are the poor, you know, the physically and monetarily poor. There ain't nothing blessed about that. He says, blessed are the poor in spirit, those who recognize their poverty of spirit, that they are sinners who who need a savior. You can't come to faith in Jesus Christ. You can't come to the cross but on your knees as a humble, broken, poor in spirit sinner. That's how you come to faith in Christ. And if you don't get there in this life, the Bible says there will be a time that every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You can bow now or bow later, and it's always better to bow now, to come as that humble, broken, contrite in spirit, poor in spirit person and say, God, I need you. And and this is where the Lord enters in. Number three, learn from the good example of John the Baptist. (laughs) You know, we don't talk enough about John the Baptist, and he's probably okay with that because John was one of those guys that always pointed other people to Jesus. John wasn't all about himself. If John were living today in the selfie generation, I'm not sure that he'd be taking selfies and saying, hey, did you see me baptize this guy? And No, John, John was always pointing people to Jesus. And John is the one who said, he must increase, but I must decrease. Uh, Who says that today? Uh, I mean, who who in the competitive world in which we live says, no, you need to get more business than I do, even though, you know, we're in the same business together. Your restaurant needs to increase, mine can decrease. But that was John the Baptist. In fact, in the first century, many people came and thought that John might be the Messiah, The messianic expectations were at a fever pitch in the first century, and uh, the Jews had been waiting for the Messiah for centuries, and many people looked at John's ministry and said, hey, I I think he's the one. And there was a contingent of people that came up to John and said, John, are you the Messiah? And a proud person, if that were John, he might have gone home and looked in the mirror and said, you know, I'm I'm looking a little Messiah-like these days, and maybe I ought to run with this. But he didn't. He said, no, not me. He says, I'm not even worthy uh, to tie the guy's shoelaces. And he pointed people to Jesus. He said, behold, the Lamb of God who comes, who, uh, comes to take away the sins of the world. There was a time when after John baptized Jesus that some of John's disciples came to him and said, John, that guy that you baptized, he's setting up shop right down the river from us. And all these people are going to him to be baptized. John, what are you going to do about this? (laughs) And I loved his response. He says, a man can receive nothing unless it is given to him by the Lord. It's kind of a, you know, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. And besides, this is what's supposed to happen. They're supposed to go to him. Learn from the good example. 
not the perfect example, John wasn't a perfect man, but the good example of John the Baptist, what a humble man. He, he lived out the kingdom principle, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. And no wonder Jesus said of him in Matthew chapter 11, among men born of women, John is the greatest. I remember Muhammad Ali boastfully saying when he began his boxing career, I am the greatest. Now Jesus says John was. And I call John really the second greatest man in the world because Jesus is first, right? The God-man Jesus. But Jesus says of men born of women, nobody greater than John. John, John shows us how to descend into greatness. He must increase, but I must decrease. We'll return to Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones in just a moment. To listen to any of Ron's messages on demand, please visit somethinggoodradio.org. And while you're there, be sure to access the Something Good digital library with more than 500 hours of video and audio teaching from Dr. Ron Jones. Search the streaming library by scripture or topic and find answers to your Bible questions and grow in your Christian faith. Again, that's our Something Good digital library at somethinggoodradio.org. The song Route 66 by Bobby Troop captured the heartbeat of a generation that dreamed of traveling the open road on US 66 from Chicago, Illinois to Santa Monica, California. Get your kicks on Route 66. Get your kicks on Route 66 became the rally cry and part of the song's popular lyric. If reading the 66 books of the Bible was like a Route 66 road trip across America, people might do more than casually flip through the best-selling book of all time. That idea captured my heart and inspired me to write a book called The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, making the Bible's story accessible to a new generation of people. Get your kicks on the biblical Route 66. Join me on The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible. Ron's new book, The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, Volume 1, Old Testament, is now available. For a gift of $30 or more, request your copy of the 384-page book today. When you order the print book, you'll also get instant access to the Route 66 Digital Library, a $275 value. The Digital Library contains 66 video sermons, 66 audio messages, 66 downloadable sermon notes, and eight ebooks. To pre-order your copy of The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, Volume 1, Old Testament, go to somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org. The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible is a welcome addition to any home library. And pastor, as you look back on your 66 messages through the Bible, what has been most impactful about the experience and what are you hoping our listeners will get from the book? Brian, one of the most impactful things for me was to experience the grace of God energizing and equipping me to hammer out the project. Uh, my relationship with the Lord has grown even more intimate from having persevered to the end. One of the things I hoped to accomplish was to show people how the whole of God's Word hangs together and to do it without writing endless volumes of commentary. 
So this uh, abbreviated resource called The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible is a companion to the Bible and offers the reader a bit of a, a bird's eye view of the major themes of each book, showing how all 66 books of the Bible fit together to produce a unified work of the Holy Spirit. Stop by somethinggoodradio.org to request The Ultimate Road Trip Through the Bible, Volume 1, Old Testament, for your gift of $30 or more. Give over the phone by calling our offices at 757-276-1099 or mail your gift. Our address is P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia, 23456. Now let's get back to Ron for the second half of his message, Defeating Pride. So clothe yourself with humility. We're defeating pride here. Clothe yourself with humility. Embrace brokenness. Learn from the good example of John the Baptist. Finally, learn from the perfect example or follow the perfect example of Jesus. Now I want to take you to uh, Philippians chapter 2. Turn in your Bible there for a little bit longer reading. Philippians 2, beginning in verse 5, where the Apostle Paul writes, Have this mind among yourselves. Another translation says, have this attitude among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death even death on a cross. Uh, These verses are some of the most elegant and loftiest verses found certainly in the New Testament, but perhaps anywhere in the Bible as a description of the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, the humiliation of Christ, how he humbled himself Uh, Even the fact that he he put on human flesh. I mean, how humiliating for for God who is spirit to put on the rags of humanity and to be born in a a barn, not in Jerusalem where everybody would, would think that the Messiah would be born. No, he's born in Bethlehem. Are you kidding me? It was so far off the map and born in a barn and then later in life, crucified on a cross, his own creation crucifying him. Uh, What humility that took. The Apostle Paul says, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped. He didn't walk around saying, hey, 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 come on, look at me, look at me, look at me. You're not treating me like God, come on. Now, he declared himself God and and declared his deity, but it wasn't something to be grasped like it was out of his reach. It goes on to say he emptied himself. What does that mean? Theologians refer to this as the kenosis, the self-emptying of God and of Christ. Dr. Charles Ryrie sheds light on uh, Philippians chapter 2 when he says, Jesus Christ didn't become any less God, but he chose not to use some of his divine attributes. Uh, This involved a veiling of his pre-incarnate glory and the voluntary, listen to this, the voluntary non-use of some of his divine prerogatives during the time that he was on this earth. 
At any time on the cross, he could have snapped his fingers and the angels would have come and rescued him, but he humbled himself even to the point of death on the cross. Ryrie goes on to say, for God to become a man was humbling enough, but he was willing to go even further. Christ could have come to earth in his true position as king of the universe. Instead, he took the role of a servant. The creator chose to serve his creatures. And we see this in a marvelous way on the night before he was crucified in the upper room where where Jesus washes his disciples' feet. Now back then they wore sandals and they didn't have paved roads, they had dusty roads. So it was very common in the culture, you come to somebody's house for dinner and there was always a, a, a water basin and a towel there and a servant who would be there to wash your feet. Jesus took on that role with his, with his disciples. How humiliating. Some of them said, no, 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 don't, don't wash my feet, Jesus. This is, this is beneath you. No, it wasn't beneath him. He says, I'm doing this as an example to you. The first shall be last and the last shall be first. He who serves will be greatest in the kingdom of God. One of the few times that Jesus made a a statement about himself, Matthew 11, verse 29, he says, I am gentle and humble in heart. Uh, That doesn't win many awards in Hollywood, doesn't win very many elections in Washington, D.C. Somebody who states as their political platform, I'm humble and gentle of heart, but it elevates you in the kingdom of heaven and in the kingdom of God. One Bible teacher and commentator says, humility is the quintessential posture of the believer. It does not mean being bowed down in defeat or shame. Our pattern is Jesus. The humble son of God cannot be defeated and he has no reason for shame. Though he was gentle and humble, the omnipotence he laid aside for the sake of becoming like us could be taken up again in any moment. Humility is not for the down and out. On the contrary, authentic humility, listen to this, authentic humility is only possible for victorious men and women. Isn't that great? Ties in beautifully to how to live an undefeated life. We are are victors in Jesus. Oh, victory in Jesus. And it's only the victorious men and women in Jesus Christ who can live an authentically humble life because we know from where our victory comes. We know who we are in Christ. So we defeat pride by clothing ourselves with humility, by embracing brokenness, by learning from the good example of John the Baptist and following the perfect example of Jesus Christ. We need the help of the Holy Spirit to defeat any of these deadly sins. But it starts with the decision. In fact, back to 1 Peter 5 and verse 6, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God. You do this. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you. I always say, you know, i got to humble myself before I get to the point where God has to humble me. And I go through a difficult and painful and broken kind of process. And may, may that be uh, our takeaway today. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxious thoughts and see if there is there's any wicked way, even the wickedness of some smidgen of pride 
that makes me elevate myself above somebody else in my own little puny mind. God, keep me humble. And then at the right time, he'll put you on the map somewhere. He'll, he'll exalt you. He'll, you, you may one day find yourself with a position in the kingdom of heaven in eternity that you never dreamed of because the first shall be last, the last shall be first, and the servant, the one who serves, is what the kingdom of heaven is all about. Thanks for being here for today's Something Good radio message, Defeating Pride. And Dr. Ron Jones joins me here in studio. Ron, you've said from time to time that pride is really at the root of all of our sin. So as we wrap things up here on today's broadcast, how about giving us a couple of parting shots about pride as well as its counterpart, humility? Yes, and thanks, Brian. You're right. I've said before that pride is at the root of all sin, and humility is at the root of all blessing, at least those blessings of God that are conditional. But let's quickly review the four ways we can overcome pride. Clothe yourself with humility. That's number one, because humility always triumphs over pride. Second, embrace the brokenness. God will always respond to a broken and contrite heart. Third, Learn from the good example of John the Baptist. And finally, I said, learn from the perfect example of Jesus Christ. Now, let's talk for a minute about the third one, the example of John the Baptist. You often hear things like, uh, this person rose to prominence or that person climbed the ladder to success. But in the kingdom of heaven, success is not defined the same way. In the kingdom of heaven, you don't ascend to greatness. You descend to greatness. That's what John the Baptist did, and we should follow that example. Exalt Jesus, lower yourself, and in his perfect timing, he will exalt you. Exalt others, lower yourself, and in God's perfect timing, again, he will exalt you. Now, let's be honest, Brian. John had a pretty big following, a movement, we might call it. But his was a movement born out of humility and obedience, and when the time came, he stepped aside so that Jesus could increase. That's a far cry from what we've seen in human history. In fact, almost every movement in history that began with one group's desire for equality ultimately resulted in that same group's desire for superiority. That's because somewhere along the way, humility gave way to pride. And that's what we're seeing today in America, pride running rampant in many of these organizations and movements. Now, our role as believers in Jesus Christ is to be humble in our response. You overcome pride the same way you overcome all brands of evil, with goodness, with humility, and so on. So as we consider how we might help this nation and this world become a better place, let's remember that humility always triumphs over pride. That's true when we're dealing with our own pride. And it's also true when we're dealing with the pride of those around us. That's Dr. Ron Jones with some great final thoughts from his message, Defeating Pride. Ron, we're about out of time, but what can you tell us about the next message in your series, Undefeated, Overcoming the Deadly Sins That Drag You Down? Well, Brian, more than a decade ago, ABC's 2020 ran a story about anger in America, 
and it began with these five words, anger is all the rage. It went on to talk about all the things we in America are upset about, the things that enrage us, and it covered everything from being mad at the little league umpire who blows a call to things like political unrest and social strife. And let's be honest, over the past decade, things have gotten worse, not better. America today is perhaps the angriest it's ever been. And as it happens, anger is number two on the list of the seven deadly sins. And so what I'd like to do over the next couple of days is to help all of us discover how we can overcome this destructive sin. The good news is we can overcome anger, but we have a responsibility in the overcoming process. And that's where I'm headed next time, right here on Something Good Radio. It's the anger management class that won't tick you off. And it comes your way tomorrow when Dr. Ron Jones shares his message, Defeating Anger. So join us then for Something Good. Now for Ron and the whole team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis. God bless and thanks for listening.